Hi, I'm Sue McLean, a partner in Baker & McKenzie's Technology Group in London and global tech lead for our fintech practice. Welcome to this first edition of our FinSight podcast. In this edition, we're going to discuss regulatory sandboxes. Regulatory sandboxes are a new development and allow financial services businesses to test innovative products, services, business models and delivery mechanisms in the real market with real consumers. Over the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to consider regulatory sandboxes, how they work, and hear some insights and perspectives from my colleagues in some of the leading financial centres around the world. I'll be joined today by Mark Simpson, a partner and a financial services regulatory specialist from our London office, Stephanie Magnus, a partner in our Singapore office, and Matt Kluchenik, a partner in our Chicago office, who will give us a US perspective. Sandboxes are a recent trend. The FCA's sandbox was the first of its kind, coming into operation in June 2016. The sandbox was developed out of the UK regulators' initiative, Project Innovate, which was created in 2015 to help financial services and fintech companies bring innovative ideas to market. The role of the sandbox was to provide a live but safe environment for companies to test innovative products and services before launching them on the market proper. Since then, we've seen a wave of other countries around the world following the UK's lead and creating their own sandboxes, including Singapore, the Netherlands, Australia, Canada and Hong Kong. So, Mark, who can apply to be in the sandbox? The UK FCA sandbox is open to FCA authorised firms, unauthorised firms that require authorisation and technology businesses. It has proved popular not least to fintech startups, with each group or cohort, as they are referred to, being oversubscribed. Successful applicants have come from a variety of sectors and, reflecting the global nature of fintech, the sandbox has attracted participants from overseas, for example, Canada, Singapore and the US, as well as the UK. The FCA say that its latest participants include consumer credit, automated device and travel insurance firms. 40% are using distributed ledger technology, six of which are using it to automate the issuance of debt or equity. Other technology includes geolocation technology, use of APIs and artificial intelligence. There is a large increase in firms testing wholesale propositions and a few firms will test propositions relating to crypto assets. The FCA wishes to explore whether in a controlled environment consumer benefits can be delivered while effectively managing the associated risks. Stephanie, Singapore's regulator, the Monetary Authority of Singapore or MAS as it is more commonly known, also has a sandbox. Does it take a a similar approach to the UK? Yes, it does. In Singapore, both regulated financial institutions and unregulated firms that are looking to provide financial services that are or are likely to be regulated by the MAS can apply to be in the sandbox. What do you think are the main benefits of a regulatory sandbox? The MAS may exempt financial institutions and fintech players from specific regulations for the duration of its time in the sandbox. This helps financial institutions and fintech players who face challenges in meeting all regulatory requirements to experiment or roll out their products and services under a more relaxed regulatory framework, but within a well-defined space and duration as agreed with the MAS. Of course, the opportunity to engage with the MAS and the bilateral sharing of information may also help shape a more practical regulatory framework in the future. At the very least, it may lend insights into the regulator's expectations on the application of existing regulations. New players looking to obtain a license who do not meet the requisite track record or capital resources may seek exemptions from these requirements. 
In the UK, the Sandbox seeks to provide firms with the ability to test products and services in a controlled environment with reduced time to market at potentially lower cost, support with identifying appropriate consumer protection safeguards to build into new products and services, and better access to finance. It offers participants restricted authorization, individual guidance, informal steers, waivers, and no enforcement action letters. The very fact that the startup has a place in the sandbox can also provide the company with credibility when the startup is looking for investment or seeking partnerships with financial institutions. There's a perception that sandboxes are dominated by the fintech startups. How can established financial institutions benefit from a sandbox? The MAs encourages FIs to proceed and use financial technology if they are able to meet minimum requirements. Where they're not, they're encouraged to speak to the MAS case officer and have discussions uh, and collaborative discussions with the MAS. There is, however, a large financial ins- uh, insurer who is currently in the sandbox. New players looking to obtain a license who do not meet the requisite track record of capital resources may seek exemptions from these requirements. The FCA has been trying to encourage traditional financial institutions to use the sandbox, and we have seen a rise of incumbent firms joining the sandbox in more recent cohorts. The sandbox can be particularly attractive where traditional firms want to invest in innovative technologies like DLT or blockchain, or where firms want to facilitate partnerships with innovative startups. So we've heard about the sandbox regimes in the UK and Singapore. What about the United States? Matt, some would argue that the US has been a little behind the curve when it comes to regulatory sandboxes. But things appear to be changing. Arizona launched a sandbox earlier this year, and now there is talk of creating a federal sandbox. Can you explain the US approach? Thanks, Sue. The US fintech regulatory landscape is starting to shift meaningfully. As you mentioned, Arizona led the way in early 2018 by establishing a regulatory sandbox for an initial period of two years. The Arizona Attorney General, which is responsible for consumer protection, oversees the program. The Arizona sandbox limits financial services and products that are eligible. Currently, those include peer-to-peer lending, online marketplace lending, money transmission, and investment management. The Arizona Sandbox does not allow securities, trading, insurance products, or services that provide solely deposit-taking functions. On the federal level, in July, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, hired Arizona's Regulatory Sandbox Director to lead its new Office of Innovation and help develop a federal regulatory sandbox. The CFPB is working closely with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission's recently formed Lab CFTC, which was created by the CFTC in 2017. Finally, in the waning days of September, a bill was introduced in Congress that would promote the use of fintech regulatory sandboxes among federal agencies. At this stage, it's too early to say if the bill will move forward, but it certainly will generate considerable debate and discussion. Thanks. So how do you apply to be in the sandbox? In Singapore, existing financial institutions should approach their institution's MAS case officer. New players should write to the MAS fintech office. All applications must be submitted in writing in the template prescribed by the MAS. In the UK, the FCA accepts applications to the sandbox on a cohort basis with two six-month test periods per year. This July, it was announced that 29 firms have been accepted into the latest fourth cohort of the FCA sandbox. 
out of 69 applicants. Applications for Cohort 5 open later this year. What is the evaluation criteria for the sandbox? The MES will consider if the solution involves the use of technology in an innovative way and brings benefits to consumers or the industry, whether the applicant will deploy the solution in Singapore on a broader scale, and whether there are clearly defined test scenarios. Applicants are also to define expected outcomes and boundary conditions, provide details on any significant risks involved, and whether there is a clearly defined exit and transition strategy. In the UK, an applicant needs to meet the FCA's default standards and its eligibility criteria. Firms need to show they will deliver innovation that is either regulated business or supports regulated business in the UK's market. Other requirements include the need to show that the innovation is groundbreaking or a significantly different offering in the marketplace, that the innovation offers a good prospect of identifiable benefit to consumers either directly or via heightened competition, and that there is a genuine need to test the innovation in the FCA sandbox. As for default standards, the sandbox is intended for small-scale testing, and the FCA sets strict limits to the size of a test. However, customer sets should be big enough to enable statistically relevant data to be obtained, whilst managing the risk to customers and practicalities of obtaining the customers for the testing period. The FCA would also want to ensure that firms have appropriate customer safeguards in place, which you would agree on a case-by-case basis. For example, retail consumers should not bear the risks of sandbox testing, whilst for sophisticated customers where there is informed consent, their compensation might be limited. Tested plans should therefore include clear parameters around duration, customer and transaction limits, and customer safeguards. What is the duration of the sandbox? This varies in Singapore. The FCA sandbox is also intended for testing for a limited duration. The testing duration should be long enough to obtain statistically relevant data from the test. Three to six months is generally an appropriate duration for testing. And what happens after the sandbox period comes to an end? The legal and regulatory requirements relaxed by the MES will expire. The sandbox entity can proceed to deploy the financial services on a broader scale, provided that it is able to meet all the legal and regulatory requirements, including licensing requirements. Both the MES and the entity must also be satisfied that the sandbox has achieved its intended test outcomes. In the UK, firms must submit a final report summarising the outcomes of the test before transitioning out of the sandbox. The FCA refers to having helped reduce the time and cost of getting new innovative ideas to market. According to their report, some 90% of firms in the first cohort went on to a wider market launch. Following successful sandbox tests, both small and large firms have introduced propositions to the mass market. Large authorised firms have tested innovations in the sandbox that, following the successful test, they have gone on to make available to their wider customer base. Are there any other issues that companies need to be mindful of? There do remain challenges. The FCA's progress report from last year identifies various obstacles encountered by some sandbox participants. One of these concerns centres on the difficulties faced by some in obtaining key banking services in the UK, particularly firms wishing to leverage DLT, become payment institutions or electronic money institutions. There are what appear to be blanket refusals for certain kinds of applicant firms, according to the FCA, and the FCA is critical of this de-risking which it says has the effect of raising barriers to market entry and impacting competition. The challenge for the FCA will be to try to lessen the damaging effects of de-risking without constraining banks' commercial freedom, since this takes away from the positives of innovation. Acquiring customers can be an issue for smaller firms that enter testing without a well-established customer base. The FCA points to partnerships between large firms and startups in the sandbox as being a successful way to deal with this challenge. 
Lastly, the FCA concedes that meeting the threshold conditions for authorization can be more complex for new fintechs than for traditional firms. This is because their operations are structured differently from those which the FCA are accustomed to assessing. This is clearly something which is in the gift of the regulator and parliament to address. But what can we expect next? Well, on the 7th of August 2018, the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, in collaboration with 11 financial regulators and related organisations, announced the creation of a Global Financial Innovation Network, or GFIN, which builds on the FCA's proposal earlier this year to create a global sandbox. The US Bureau of Consumer Protection and the MAS are both members. While the concept of a sandbox remains a component of the GFIN's function, it is only one tool available. GFIN is intended to provide an opportunity for those regulators currently without sandbox-type environments to participate in supporting responsible innovation in financial services. It's intended to act as a network uh, for collaboration, sharing of experience and best practice, and communication to firms. It can also hopefully provide a forum for joint policy work and provide firms with an environment in which to trial cross-border solutions, whether business-to-business or business-to-consumer. Key areas highlighted for the network to consider are artificial intelligence, distributed ledger technology, data protection, the regulation of securities and initial coin offerings, KYC, AML, and green finance. How effective GFIN will be in practice, of course, remains to be seen. In the meantime, it seems that there is no let up in the trend, with a range of other countries, including Spain and Norway, announcing plans to create their own sandboxes. I should also add that the EU's European Banking Authority is said to be drawing up guidelines to support cross-border fintech companies, which includes recommendations for a sandbox and innovation hub. These guidelines are expected to be published in December. Thank you for joining today's Finsider podcast on regulatory sandboxes. Please do let us know if there are any topics you would like us to tackle in future podcasts in this series. Thanks for listening.